Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 9 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. I am your posh boy, Matt J. With me as always is the cool guy, my co-host and brother, Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Um, pretty cool, I guess. Is that is that a reference to something that I don't recognize or uh, you just you just felt i fancy. don't know if you recall but uh ryu wears a jacket that says posh boy on it oh yeah that's right no thank you and guy has uh that big splash in the end credits where it just <laughs> cool says guy. cool guy that's underneath. Right. i pay attention to stuff <laughs> anyway <laughs> so Matt. today dave we are watching episode nine of the Chojin Sentai Jetman. It's called Muddy Love. But before we do that, in our officially award-winning opening segment with Dave Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Well, Matt, uh, you may have forgotten, but you are doing our first star of the week. So, Matt, what is our first star of the week? And when you say I may have forgotten, you mean I absolutely yeah, you forgot, absolutely forgot. <laughs> even though it is written down on a list right in front of me. So, what's our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Dave, is that I finally got my car back from the shop. Oh, nice. After like a month. Yeah, like a ridiculously long period of time. There were a lot of things that needed to be done, and most of them had nothing to do with my car. It was just the shop got super backed up. Oh, well. But I get it back, and like two days later... I'm driving, and I notice that one of my headlights is out. Oh, dude, that's the worst. Was it? I'm assuming it was at night, right? Yeah. This is the worst feeling because it just goes out. At least for me, I'm always worried that I'm going to get stopped. And the cops would be Absolutely. like, you've got a headlight out. I'd be like, dude, it literally happened five minutes ago. And then the cop doesn't believe you, or maybe they do, and you get a ticket. I don't know. And then, of course, we, we're, we've just had daylight savings. And so right. basically there is there's like 45 minutes of daylight after I get home from work before it is too dark to be driving without a headlight. Right. So I need to take care of it fast. So I try to go to just like lube stop and have them put in a new bulb for me. Because uh, I didn't feel like dealing with it myself. Yeah. But uh, they didn't have the right bulb. And oh. so they just said, like, hey, man, sorry. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, that stinks. Yeah. And so then I went to two auto parts stores and finally found the right bulb. Uh, and at this point, like, the sun is going down. I'm already away from home. And so I need to get this light in so I don't have to worry about getting pulled over on my way home. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So there is a way to get in there to replace the bulb without actually having to take anything apart. There's like a little plastic cap that comes off. Right, like you can get in there. But it's the just... Is, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a tall guy. I'm like 6'2", six 6'2 two, six two somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Um, and so I have sort of proportionally, you know, like I've, I've got large hands. And so, yeah. like, I spent about an hour... In the parking lot of the auto zone with my hand like wrenched into a weird angle, desperately trying to just get this, <laughs> like change a light bulb. 
Dude, I have done that, and it is a giant pain. Like, it's really, it's way more difficult than it should be. Like, you get the feeling that they very definitely want you to take take it to a shop. Like, it's designed so that you, it's just a huge thing to do for by yourself. Right. Like, they've designed it such that you can do it. And so if someone were to complain to them, they would say, oh, no, it is totally possible to do this and to do it without any tools, which is technically true. Technically true. true. <laughs> but practically, it will take you, or it took me, a literal hour of just standing in a parking lot. And I had to, like, I couldn't see it, so I had to, like, get my phone down in there to take a picture of the inside so that I could <laughs> so visualize where everything <laughs> was. Yeah, man. They do not... It's just not easy. And it's never... Okay, okay, this might actually be kind of a skew in perspective because I feel like you only ever have to do it at a time where it will almost inevitably be a giant pain. You know what I mean? Like, you never have to replace your light bulb when it's, like, sunny and, like, nice out and you could just kind of hang out and do it. It's always, like, in the dark, it's raining... Maybe yeah, just right like now. in a foreign parking lot, trying desperately <laughs> to make <laughs> this thing happen. Stupid tiny bulb. <laughs> and then they tell you that you're not supposed to touch the bulb with your bare hands. Oh yeah, because like the oil on your hands will make it explode or something. I don't know. I don't know. I did not know that until about halfway through, though. So everything turned out okay. Uh, yeah, it'll be fine, right? I'm sure it'll I'm be. Sure, fine. it will. Anyway, so that was my like Wednesday evening. Uh, (laughs) Sounds like a real winner. (laughs) uh, You were doing something else on Wednesday, Dave. What is our second star of the week? Oh, yeah. So this past Wednesday was my birthday. Uh, Very exciting. Had a great birthday. Thanks, everybody who participated. So let's talk about birthday presents because they're great. So I got uh, a couple decks of Netrunner cards. So I'm, I'm super close to having all the cards, which is a deeply satisfying feeling, Matt. Just in time for them to make new cards. Just in time for them to make new cards. Yeah, the new <laughs> the new uh, cycle of cards is starting in January. So I'll have I'll get all of them just in time for the new ones to come out. But then they release. I think it's like one because the game's been out for like three years now, four years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they only release one new deck of cards. I think like. Like once every two to three months, maybe. So once okay, you're so once you're caught up, yeah. It will once be you're easy caught up, it's not like a it. huge investment. It's you know like every couple of months, it's like fifteen bucks or something, which is great. So uh, I got some Netrunner cards, which was awesome. Mom and Dad left a bottle of Kirsch for me uh, in a top drawer, like hidden. It was in my house, like they hid it in my own house because this is where they stay when they come to visit. Uh, so they left me a bottle of Kirsch. I haven't opened it yet. But it's in my freezer, which is gruel. Oh, dude, I, I, I had an experience with a bottle of Kirsch one time uh, when I was in Germany, staying with um, a friend from college and her family. When oh, I was sort of backpacking around, and her dad <laughs> like distilled like her dad it in his just basement. like kept refilling my glass, and I like I don't speak German, so I didn't know how to properly communicate. Like maybe I should stop drinking this stuff. This was like moonshine Kirsch, right? 
This was homemade, like hundred proof Kirsch. Yeah, I mean, oh, it was delicious. Sorry. Real quickly, Kirsch. If you're not, if you don't know what it is, it's um, it's a cherry liquor. Now let me be clear. It's not a cherry liqueur. Like it's not like vodka that has had like cherry flavor steeped into it. It's just like um, it's effectively it's like fermented distilled cherry juice. Is 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 basically what it is. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway, but uh, I look forward to trying some of that next time I'm over. Yeah, so I got a bottle of Kirsch. Really excited about that. Uh, the Netrunner cards, like I said. Uh, oh, and this is the big one, is that my wife, Beth, got me a Wii U and Super Mario Maker. Oh, dude, Super Mario Maker is, as previously discussed on this very program, so good. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, I was playing it right before we were doing we started the podcast and as soon as this is over I'm gonna go start immediately playing Super Mario Maker again so that was awesome uh, as you should you got to put in enough time so that you can unlock those new uh, dis- right uh, I always tools. okay real quickly is there a way to like delay piranha plants is that like a thing that you can do because I've got uh, three piranha plants in a row and they're all coming out at the same time. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I know you can do that with like the fire jets, which you don't have yet. Yeah, I won't. Okay, so we'll get there. We'll talk Mario Maker later. So yeah, sometimes if you shake things, oh, like, that's right. It'll it'll but change it up. I think with the piranha plants, that just changes them from like ones that come out to ones that come out and spit fire. But oh, okay. Well, that would be we're cool getting a little too, in the weeds here. Anyway. Back on track. So you got Mario Maker. Super duper exciting. Yeah. I think I've already sent you my codes for the levels that I put up. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> Beth, she was like, listen, it's more than what I would normally spend on a birthday present. Let me be clear. The Wii I just bought because we want a Wii. Your present is Super Mario Maker. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not my Wii. It's our Wii. And I got Super Mario Maker for my birthday, if that makes sense. That's fair enough. So yeah, man, uh, a bunch of really cool stuff. Thanks to everybody who got me those things. Oh, geez. Okay, wait. I almost forgot. Uh, Katie, our little sister, got me. Dude, you got to try it when you come over. It's like apple syrup. All right. Okay. But it's not. Okay, so I've had apple syrup before. And it's basically been, as far as I can tell, like sugar syrup with like apple flavoring, right? This stuff is not that. It's just, it's it's apple syrup in the same way that like maple syrup is maple syrup. It's just apple cider that has been boiled down and concentrated into a syrup. Huh. And it is, it's like old timey New England apple syrup or something. And it is, dude, it packs a punch because all of the flavor. I mean, it just basically tastes like super ultra concentrated apple cider, but all of the flavors are there. So it's super sweet, but it's also really tart and just just intensely appley. Okay. It's it's platonically appley. Like it is the essence of appleness. Literally like just distilled down. Well, it's not distilled, but like concentrated down into like this pure liquid, uh, and it's 
It's delicious. <laughs> it's super good. I mean, I guess you have to like apple cider, but I love apple cider. Which I do. Love apple cider. Uh, I love apple cider enough that people get me apple cider slash apple cider related dishes like for my birthday, if that tells you. Like, this isn't the first year this has happened. Uh, last no, you year. got some cider for your birthday last year, right? Yeah, uh, producer Mark's wife, Holly, canned like 32 pints of apple cider and sent them with Mark for my birthday. Uh, I'm still drinking it. Holly, it's still delicious. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so I am, I really like apple cider. So you will try this syrup when you come over. So yeah, so those are all my birthday presents. I had a great birthday. 33 is uh, treating me pretty well so far. Admittedly, I'm only like three days into it. All right. Well, I'm glad that we definitely talked about all of your birthday presents and you didn't forget any of them. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, also, all- <laughs> okay, I'm a big jerk. Also, because we were talking about this before the show and then I forgot that we hadn't talked about it on the show. Matt, you got me a safety razor. Which is amazing. And it's right? it's fantastic. I don't want to like spend a ton of time talking about it. No, because we talked about it when I got one a few months ago. Right. But guys, seriously, like get yourself a safety razor. It's like, okay, so I read some stuff online. And by safety razor, real quickly, I don't mean, in case you missed the old episode, I don't mean like a uh, like a Bic Mach 5, like blah, blah, blah. This is like an old-timey like grandpa safety razor with like a removable top that you put in just a flat razor, like a flat disposable razor in. And I read some stuff online. It was like, oh, it's going to like take some getting used to to shave with it. I did not find that to be the case at all. Like I put in the blade. I lathered up my face. I shaved, well, I lathered up my neck. I don't shave my face. Lathered up my neck, shaved. It was great. Like, it was totally smooth. It was a fantastic shave. My neck feels like a baby's butt. Get yourself a safety razor, guys. Yeah, it's the best. And there's a lot less uh, irritation, too. Yeah. Uh, this has just, I guess, become a commercial for safety razors. But, um, listen, safety for razors. For more of this talk, tune into our other podcast, Razor Time. Uh, Raise Bros. Raise Bros works too. Listen, it's it's another in the list of long products that I am discovering that your granddad, grandfather, grandpa, pawpaw, pap pap, paps. Peepaw? Peepaw. Peepaw? Is that a thing people say? I don't know. But listen, your grandfather uh, had a lot of technology. Like you have a lot of stuff that he didn't have. And he had a lot, but he had a lot of stuff that you don't have. Like you could have it. Shoehorns. Safety razors, shoe trees, you can have all those things. You just don't, but you should, and your life will be better for it. Get yourself some old-fangled technology, folks. Yeah, make that happen. So, uh, what, Matt, is our third star of the week? Our third star of the week, Dave, is... uh, So, the other day, I realized that literally the only thing in my fridge was beer and condiments. And so, I went to the grocery store. Um, and I was going to buy like the full suite of things that you go get when you go to the grocery store. So I'm going to get, you know, some produce, some deli stuff, yeah, you know, eggs, milk, the whole shebang. But first I went to the deli and I noticed that at the deli, corned beef was on like super sale. 
So instead of getting like a full load of groceries, mm-hmm. I just bought enough stuff to make Reuben sandwiches at home for a week. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, you and so, do that. like every day, that is literally the only thing. Like I'll eat other stuff when I'm away from home. But, like, when I get home and have dinner, or if I'm, you know, home this afternoon before we start recording, like, the only thing I've been eating, because it's the only thing that is in my house, is Reuben sandwiches all week. And, Dave, if you think that you can get sick of Reuben sandwiches after a week, no. uh, then you're not me, because I'm still <laughs> loving it. Dude, Reuben's are so good. I Reuben's are one of a very small handful of uh, vectors, I guess, in which I will consume sauerkraut. Like, I'm not... I, I don't like sauerkraut. I keep trying because it makes me sad that I don't like it. I keep trying and it just keeps tasting like sauerkraut. So, so I don't like it. But I like Rubens. And it's like the weird alchemy of the Rubens somehow. Right. Like the, transforms Even the before I liked sauerkraut, I ate it on Rubens. Because if you take the sauerkraut off the Ruben, it doesn't, yeah. it's just not the same sandwich. It's not as, I get it with like a light sauerkraut. I'm like, don't put all the sauerkraut on. But, like, a little is okay. You need a touch, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, you need it. Anyway, that's literally the only thing about that star, <laughs> is that I have go, been going to town on Rubens all week. Uh, I've been doing them up in the pans. I've been doing them in the panini press. Uh, I've got my cast iron skillet out. It's, yeah. Oh, so this is not, you're like, oh, you're no, having no. a Ruben party. This is not, like, a base-level consumption. You're. Oh, no, I'm not just putting cold deli meat on it piece of bread dave right this is uh you're <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a moment to honor the experience this is okay the thing that i just thought of is i'm like you're a bachelor but you're like a grown-up bachelor yes you know? exactly <laughs> like i will absolutely eat reuben sandwiches straight for a week but i'm gonna do it right like i'm not an animal Anyway, that's, uh, that is it for Star 3. Uh, I just wanted to check in with you and let you know what's happening in my life. Well, Dave, thanks for sharing. Uh, what is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week, Matt, is kittens. Okay. They're adorable. That's what I am led to understand? Yeah. So, uh, Beth and I are on, like, a, there's, like, a neighborhood forum website that we're part of. And it's basically, like, tiny Facebook, but for, like, just our couple of blocks. Uh, it's okay. mostly awful. It's because it's mostly just people, like, complaining. It's, like, old people complaining about city council. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> but every once in a while, so we'll be like, hey, I'm having, like, a garage sale. It's like, all right, cool. I'll check that out. Uh, I mean, I won't because I don't like garage sales. But Beth will check it out because she loves that. And But somebody, this lady posted, and she's like, listen, I was biking in the park, and I found a kitten. Like, I just found this, like, five-week-old kitten, like, huddling under a bush or something, like, shivering, because it was wet out. So she took the kitten home, and, like, she did this lady, whoever she is, I don't know who she is, has doesn't have cats. And she's like, listen, I don't really want this kitten, but I don't want to just, like, leave it outside. So if anybody wants this kitten, like, you can just have it. I, I found it. It's like a found kitten. But she had already, like, taken it to the vet to, like, get kind of, like, preliminary checked out, right? Uh-huh. So Katie, and who's our sister who's staying with us right now, and my wife, they go see the kitten. And Katie is immediately like, I need this kitten, and I'm taking it. So she 
has a kitten now and it's in my house and uh it got all of its like tests done i guess and so now we're kind of like letting it out of its little quarantine room so it can like interact with our other because we have two cats and there's just like a kid there's like a tiny kitten like running around my house like climbing on people's legs and like letting out like a little tiny high-pitched meows uh it's just super adorable (laughs) I don't have that anything else. Kittens are just great. Uh, her name is Thoroughly Modern Millie. Or I... Th- no. They ch- it was going to be that. But my wife has decided to name her... I can't even say it on the air. Now I can say it. Purely Podern Millie. So that exists in the universe. And now that's and now that's a thing that I've heard. That's Thank now you. that's a thing that you've heard. So you're welcome. Anyways, it's an adorable kitten and it likes to climb up on people's laps and it purrs super loud and will like lick your hand with its like tiny rough kitten tongue. It's super cute. You'll meet her when you come over. I got nothing else. I'm just really into this kitten. <laughs> <laughs> so what Matt is our uh what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is a show that I'm going to recommend to you, but uh, you can't actually watch if you don't have the WWE Network. Um, and it is Breaking Ground. Okay. And have I told you about this, Dave? Yeah, no, you have okay, not. So Breaking Ground is a show that WWE makes that is not a wrestling show, which huh. normally would mean that it is like stupid garbage yeah that doesn't seem like most of their other stuff is like weird like prank shows where they're just pranking wrestlers and something hosted by jerry springer and then another like reality show where a bunch of like old retired wrestlers lived in a house for a while that's weird it is weird but breaking ground it it's like it's a real show Okay. Which is kind of catching me off guard. There's only been two episodes so far. But what it is, is it's like a docu-series about NXT. Oh, Which is like, okay. the, if, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, if you're a new listener, uh, and you also don't happen to know what that is, it is the like uh, developmental branch of WWE, right? Yeah. So that's where, like, when you show up for a tryout, that's where you go. When you're a rookie and you're training, that's oh, where you okay. go. Oh, okay. So this is like the... Is it like just straight up the audition process? Is that what's going on? It kind of covers a few different levels. It's like the people who are just showing up for day one to do tryouts. Okay. All the way up through the people who are on the NXT roster and like trying to get to like the main WWE roster, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that sounds rad. And it's really interesting. Like, okay, it's a show that WWE makes and they are very careful about like keeping a firm stranglehold on the narrative about themselves that they put out yeah so you're gonna get some of that yeah like it's not completely it is not an unbiased thing like it's a documentary series that they've made about themselves right but i mean like reality is reality tv is reality tv i mean right it's not gonna be like there's just a degree to which like that's true you know what I mean? But just, like, watching the behind-the-stuff scenes of, like, William Regal yelling at the rookies because they're not training right, like, all of that stuff is gold. That's fa- No, that sounds awesome. I would absolutely uh, watch that show. And it is narrated by William Shatner. 
What? Yeah, I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> I was just say, like, does he have some like heretofore unknown to me connection to wrestling? Or they're just like, you know who we should get for this? Shatner. I really don't know. I know that the people who made this show had previously made a show that was similar about um like a football team. Oh, like okay. one of the teams in the NFL. You know, man, there is a show like this. It's on Hulu about uh professional mascots. Oh, I remember seeing a million commercials for that yeah, one. Yeah, they really pushed it. I never watched it because who cares? But like the wrestling thing sounds interesting. I would totally watch that. Absolutely. Anyway, uh so that's it. Uh if you have the network and you haven't watched it yet, uh watch Breaking Ground. It's fun. Sounds good. And if you don't have it, then uh, this information isn't going to do any good for you. Well, and the, uh, I'm sorry, and let's just move on. The WWE Network is only nine ninety nine a month, right? Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's it. Those are the five stars. Yeah, Dave, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to watch episode nine. It's called Muddy Love, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode nine. Dave, why don't you give us a quick recap and we'll get into it. Yeah, so this is a writer-centric episode. He is, you know, like every once in a while, and this is just a thing in the Super Sentai series, you get like one episode that's like really focused on one character. So this episode, it's writer, and we meet a childhood friend slash love interest, and uh, they fight a sewing machine monster, Matt. Dude. They, fight a sewing, they fight a sewing machine. They fight a big evil sewing machine. It's it great. It has like a... We'll describe it in a minute. Okay. <laughs> I just... Dude, you're saying that as though that is not the best thing that's happened to you all day, and I don't know why. <laughs> I got... I started playing Super Mario Maker today. Okay, that's true. Okay, so we just... We just... You know what it is? <laughs> it's starting... It's like... I have, like, weirdness fatigue a little bit. <laughs> like, I'm just learning to, like, let it wash over me. But it's, like, sewing. It's a sewing machine monster. I don't, like, sure, whatever. It's a side as, okay. as we'll mention, as I at least will mention a little later on once we get to it, um, it's a very clever idea for a sewing machine monster. Yeah, no, it's a really cool idea. So, well, let's just get into it because we see it pretty much. We see it pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so we start. It's basically a cold open in a. Uh, it looks like a garment factory, or yeah, there are a bunch of mannequins something. standing around. Yeah. And there's a security guard, like the night watchman, and he's wandering around. And uh, he he does not seem like the sort of night watchman that you would want to hire. Uh, because he gets so freaked out by his own reflection in a mirror that he almost shoots it. Okay, let's be fair. The dude is the night watchman at a, at a mannequin. It's not a mannequin factory, but there's a lot of mannequins there. And I feel like you don't want to be around mannequins at night. That's, Maybe. Maybe that's nightmare fuel. Maybe he's that first is episode that of the uh, Christopher Eccleston run on Doctor Who. Yeah, maybe this dude is just really concerned about the nesting consciousness, right? Hey, man, okay, That's I can buy that. Nighttime mannequins are a little creepy, unless we're talking about the movie mannequin, which is weird in all of its own different ways. Never seen it? Don't feel like I need to. Uh, so, it is a rom-com about a mannequin that comes to life and becomes Kim Cattrall, I think? What? Mannequin's a weird movie. Anyway, yeah, it sounds okay. <laughs> almost whatever. nothing to do with this. 
Anyways, okay. So this dude is wandering around uh, the mannequin storage warehouse, and the hand comes through the the Viram hand comes through the dimensional thing, and it puts the dimensional scorpion on a sewing machine. So yeah, like Tran shows dimension. up in the reflection of the mirror that the guy was already freaking out about. Yeah. Um, reaches through, laughs a lot, puts the thing on the sewing machine, and the sewing machine just starts moving by itself. Right. And then Tran looks at the guard and he just says, I'll make you wear it. Which is a really creepy statement. This is, okay. So what happens is that the sewing machine. I'll make you wear it. It's just strange, man. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Okay, sorry. I thought you were done (laughs) talking about that and you hopping back in uh, was doubly creepy. (laughs) It was weird. Okay, so, uh, so the sewing machine just starts going, and then it turns into sewing machine dimension. And how, how are we going to describe this? One of its hands is a giant pair of scissors. Yeah, and then the other hand is just a hand, but its head is a sewing machine. And imagine, okay, if you're looking at a sewing machine, how you would like normally use it, then flip it on its side... So that the 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 part that holds the needle on the top is like the top of its head, and it forms sort of a mouth, and then there are eyes on either side of it. And then also it is wearing like a 19th century, like early 19th century, like English gentleman's velvet waistcoat. Well, that has tails. That has tails, and but then like a no giant... Sleeves. No sleeves. And then, like, a giant bow tie, and then, like, a bunch of watch chains. So this dude is fashion dimension. Yeah, he's fashion dimension. And what he does is he throws this pair of clothes at... We don't see what they are, but he throws this pair of clothes at the guard, and they kind of, like, meld, like, energy meld onto his body. And it's like like a gangster's suit. And then he materializes, the guard does, materializes a Tommy gun, a fedora, and some shades. And then he starts shooting the mannequins with a Tommy gun. Because now that he has put on the clothing of a gangster, he is a gangster. Right. So in the case of Fashion Dimension, the clothes very literally make the man. So, we cut from this to a scene where Raita has turned, like, a thing of moose over above his head and is just <laughs> emptying it into this huge pile of foam on top of his head. And the other rangers are like, right, not Raita, no, you just, like, just a little, man. Like, you don't need a bunch. A little dab will do ya. And then he's trying to, like, push it around on his head to make his hair work. Right, because he is no, because he, remember, Raita's a farmer, not that you couldn't be a fashionable farmer, but Raita is not fashionable. He's, like, he's a country boy, so he doesn't really know what's up. And Guy's like, no, man, like, you gotta look good for your date. Like, you gotta just a little bit and, like, do your hair up. Like, how is it possible that a guy who doesn't know how to do his hair can even get a date, I think is what Guy says. Yeah, and Raita says, no, this isn't a date. Like, it's not a date. We're just friends. But he, like, pulls out a picture of this girl. A framed picture that he leaves on his desk. Right. So, like, but he's insisting to everybody else, like, oh, we're just friends. Like, dang, Raita, like, let the girl decide. 
you clearly don't want that to be true. Don't shoot yourself in the foot, buddy. You're a good-looking dude. You got super strength. Ladies love super strength, I think. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, so we cut away from space camp to the street. And there is a car chase where a cop is chasing down a couple of just like, I don't know, ne'er-do-wells on dirt bikes. Yeah, bike, bike delinquents. And Tran and Fashion Dimension witness this. Tran pulls out his, like, lookbook and flips to the page where there's just a picture of a stereotypical 80s movie street tough. Uh, they look like Double Dragon. Yeah, and he's like, you. listen, uh, this is what people in this world wear when they're going to cause mayhem on the street. So Fashion Dimension, like, we don't actually see where it comes from, but we just zoom in on his face, and he just uses his, his sewing machine head as an actual sewing machine, and he makes these clothes super quickly, quickly, and then he throws them at the cops, so the cops become, like, Double Dragon punks. And it's then amazing. They get a like it flag? is flag. Like imagine a double dragon punk, and that is just exactly what it is. It's like yeah, the bandana and the shades and the acid wash jeans gloves. and the jean jacket vest with the collar popped up and like a single color t shirt underneath that's like tucked in. Yeah, it's perfect. So the the cops have a fl- the cop punks have a flag that they're like waving out the window, and then they start driving erratically, like they're racing now against the motorcycle guys, all right? What's funny is that the motorcycle delinquents look at them and they're like, is that how a cop is supposed to be acting? That doesn't seem appropriate. We don't feel like you should be doing that. Like, they're probably glad that they're no longer getting arrested, but they're now also super concerned. Like, why are these cops suddenly (laughs) stereotypical street toughs? Listen, they love motorcycles, but they don't want to see the collapse of society. Oh, sure. So we cut away from there, and then Tran is like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, this is super working out super well. So we cut away from there, and we see Raita waiting at the train station. And the girl, whose name we find out is uh, Satsuki, walks up, and she, like, puts her hands over his eyes because he doesn't see her. And he turns around, and she's, like, all dolled up. And, uh, you know, this is great. Now, Dave, you have, you have skipped over a flashback scene. Oh, that's right. Sorry. As, as he is I waiting thought this came for after. Satsuki to show up at the train station, he is saying, like, I wonder if she remembers that day. And he has a right. flashback to when they were children. And in their, like, small, like, village. Town, I guess. There was a, a, a mud race. Yeah. it It's like, I don't know, like, rural Japanese tough mudder. It's just like a big mud pit. You know what I bet it is, actually, Matt? I bet it's like... It's prob- It looks like it was probably like a rice paddy, but all the rice has been harvested, and now they're just like running through like the muddy rice paddy. That's Certainly my possible. guess. Yeah. So it's like a mud race, and Wright is like, I remember I was going to compete in the mud race. And then when we see like child Satsuki, and she runs up and makes uh, like a really intense commitment for what is seemingly like a fairly minor deal, but she says... If you win this race, Raita, I will be your bride. And Raita is like, okay, it is on. And so So, we see Raita run run the race, and like he keeps running and falling over, and then like thinking of Satsuki and getting up and running again. And eventually we get to a bit, and as unbelievable as this may sound, this will be important later. Child Raita is like 
instead of trying to run through the mud, gives up on that and is like hopping through yeah, the mud. Yeah, like he's like frog jumping person. through the mud. I get like at first I was like, why the heck are you doing this? But then it actually does make sense because he's kind of avoiding having to slog through the mud. He's just making leaps like over it. Anyway, he wins the race and I mean, they're not married, obviously, but I think that that has sort of always stuck in Raita's head that like, oh, like this is the person that like I am going to end up with someday. Right. Like, I don't know how seriously Satsuki took it, but Raita clearly took that promise, at least like fairly seriously. So as he finishes reminiscing, that's when she shows up and she is dressed very differently than he was expecting. She's not dressed like a sort of regular country girl. She is all sort of citified and like Like dolled dolled up. up, Right. So Raita's like, what? Crazy. But not in like a, oh yeah, this is awesome sort of way. Like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on with this whole thing. Like he just doesn't know how to process it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think we cut away and we see uh, Satsuki and Raita at this fancy restaurant, and she orders like this kind of complicated, like specific dish. Uh, Raita has no idea what's happening. He is not prepared for this level of fanciness. So when the and waiter so- comes up, he just like he blurts out that he wants a big bowl of curry rice with eggs on top. And when he gets a weird look, he just basically says, I'll have what she's having. Right. Uh, (laughs) So he, like, there he writes, is like, not sure what's happening. And he's like, I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'll just have that. And then food arrives at the next table over. And Raita sees it. And I guess only now does he put together that he's in, like, a fancy slash expensive restaurant. Like, he didn't. The waiter is in a tuxedo, by the way. Which you and think he, would have tipped him off. So right. he gets up away from the table and like ducks into a stairwell and pulls out his wallet. He's like, I know that a guy is supposed to pay in a situation like this. But, but he's like, counting out his cash. He's like, I do not know if I can pay for all of this. Right. So while he's doing that, the waiter comes back to talk to Satsuki. He's like, hey, I'm terribly sorry, but we're actually out of the thing that you ordered. And she's like, what? And goes into like a blind panic, turns away and pulls out like a guidebook. So we find out Satsuki also has no idea what she's doing. She's come in from the country and had bought like a guidebook. And the guidebook was like, go to this restaurant and order this thing because it's like famous, I guess. It's called like the Tokyo date map or something. Right. So she doesn't actually know what she's doing either. She's just faking it to impress Raita, I guess? I don't totally know. Because Raita clearly isn't into it. Like, she turns to a different page and is trying to be like, okay, like, do you have this thing, whatever this thing is? Right, and she, like, literally points to a picture in the book. And the waiter's like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we have that. That's fine. (laughs) So... So we get away from there, and we just see ninja. We're in a park now, and we just see ninjas attacking. And let me tell you, if you want an immediate way to like up the quality on your episode, just throw in a totally random ninja fight. Yeah, it's great. 
So, and then Tran says something about, like, ah, these people, like, clothes really get to their head or something. And I feel like I'm starting to get the sense that there's a level of underlying commentary to Jetman about human appearance, like, a human's obsession with, like, vanity and their appearance and stuff. Because I feel like it's all the fire from talk about. Yeah, although I will say, in this instance, like, the, like, clothes really getting to people's head, like, yeah, that does happen. But, Tran, you did just throw, like, cursed clothing on them. Like, this is not how they normally respond. Yeah, that's not really, that's not really on us at this point, Tran. Right, like, if you've created an evil sewing machine that transforms people into ninja, like, that's not really a super great commentary on vanity. Right. So, the ninjas are, like, running around, uh, the Jetmen arrive, and then Tran says something about, like, all right, let's really jump it up, and they turn some of the other people, people that were previously running away from the ninjas, Fashion Dimension throws pirate clothes on them, so now it's the Jetmen in the middle, pirates on one side, ninjas on the other, sort of And so this episode has just become, like, a joke from the internet from 2007. Yeah! I uh, remember, th- yeah, that was like a super funny joke that one time. And now, uh, but like, I will say, in this instance, like a pirate ninja fight in a park against like costume superheroes is pretty great. No, it is. Sorry, I'm just being like an old crabby person about the internet. Like, right? Yeah, no, guys. Yes, yeah, cool. Pirates versus ninjas. Are are we still literally like? Are we still talking about this? It's like a decade old or something. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, although I don't hear it that much anymore. So seeing it like this was sort of a fun throwback. <laughs> although yeah. not a throwback to 1992. <laughs> a throwback to 2006. Dude, one of the pirates just has an oar that he's beating people with. <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, he just like walks up and he just has an oar that he's hitting dudes with, which is amazing. Uh, so then... as they're fighting, Guy gets a katana away from one of the ninjas. <laughs> and he goes so to great. like stab him. And Guy's like, no. I'm sorry, not guy. You. Ryu says, no, guy, you can't do that. These are just people. Do not murder that man. <laughs> right. Like, it took, the guy did not hesitate at all. He was absolutely just going to stab this dude. So, with that, you know, he doesn't stab the guy, I guess. And Ryu starts to pull out his cross changer to call Raita. And as he does that, guy, in the middle of this fight, guy runs over, grabs his wrist, and says, no. Don't you dare call Raita. A dude like that only gets a chance to go on a date like this. He's really specific. It's like three times in his whole life. That is how many times a guy like Raita gets to go on a date like this. Like you, right. can't you cannot interrupt blow him. one third of his lifetime dates. Right. And this is the best part. They look over and Akko and Kaori are just like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Like we'll be fine. Like don't interrupt this date. But what's okay, here's the weird thing is that like they're both being super nice and also like super dicks about it. Yeah. Because they're like, we cannot interrupt this date. Like, this is super important for him. We are his friends, and like we are going to like continue this fight without him so he can have his special day. But they're also all agreeing immediately, like, oh yeah, he's never gonna get a chance like right, this. Like, again. this is... like there is no way Raita can get a girlfriend yeah, this if is this it. one date goes badly. For Raita. He has got this one chance. 
So we cut back to the date, and what's happening on the date, the way that they cut it is actually sort of cool. Because if you remember, um, Satsuki, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Satsuki has this date book, right? right? And it's this illustrated guide to how to go on a date in Tokyo. Oh, that's the okay. So what they do is, like, they show, like, on the screen, it'll just be, like, an illustration of something from the book, and then it will cut to the two of them doing that thing. So she is clearly, like, orchestrating this whole thing, like, page by page through this guidebook. Okay, I was really confused, because we're seeing them do activities, and then it's cutting back and forth between what, to me, looked like completely random illustrations. Yeah, so, like it, yeah, thank I you for connecting that, that for me. I my first time through watching this episode, but that is what this montage is, which is a cool way to shoot it. Yeah, so they're doing all sorts of just, like, general datey activities. Like, they're clothes shopping and ice cream, and, like, Raita is clearly, like, not, like, real into it. But they go into a bar, and a dude on, like, the other end of the room buys Satsuki a drink. Raita does not approve. He's like, Satsuki, that's alcohol, despite the fact that they are both 100% adults. Right. Oh, by the way, can we talk about this drink for a second? Oh, yeah. Because it comes in like a goblet, and it's it's green, but it's like I think it's just forest green. I I legit think it is just a glass of pure creme de menthe. That is the only thing that I can think that it would be. Yeah, because that is the color. <laughs> like not on ice, not with anything, just a glass of room temperature creme de menthe. <laughs> Jeez, that's so gross. Now, if that is the case, then what happens next at least half makes sense. Because she's like, oh, it's just one drink. Don't worry about it, Raita. <laughs> and she takes a sip and like almost throws up on the bar. Right. So we, we cut away real quickly. We see the Viram dimension. And they are watching the pirate ninja fight go on. Which, by the way, like... That fight must have been going on for hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's My notes just say, how long is this pirate fight going to go on? Because it's been going on for the entire date. Right. And they have done many activities. So we just, and that's all they mention it. Like, that's all they say. Then we just hop back. So we see Satsuki, and she is like, she's doing the drunk lean over a drinking fountain. She's got, like, both hands on the drinking fountain, like, with her shoulders up and her head kind of down. Like, if you have either ever been drunk in your life or been around drunk people, do you know exactly the move that I'm talking about? Just like, okay, we don't hear her make this sound, but this is the sound she's making. That's the sound she's making, even though we don't hear it. I will remind you, she had one sip of room temperature creme de menthe and spat it out. (laughs) Right. And she is completely drunk. (laughs) Inconsolably sick. Uh, So, Raita finally, this kind of comes to a head, and Raita just says, like, listen, I don't like, I don't like how you look, you know, like, this isn't who you are, you've changed so much. I liked how you were before. Like, this is not the Satsuki that I know. All of a sudden, it is raining. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Like, there were not clouds in the sky. Like, it was bright blue skies and sunny, and now it's raining. So Uh, so they stand there for a minute in the rain, and Satsuki, because Raita, like... 
kind of a jerk. Listen, move I get where part. he's coming from, but Rida was being a huge jerk. Yeah. And so she runs away and is just shouting about how Rita's an idiot, which, again, is correct. True. Uh, and she gets jumped by Tran and the fashion dimension. Yeah. And we don't immediately see what happens to her. Yeah, she just gets, like, they throw the clothes and there's, like, a flash and then it cuts away. Rita goes chasing after her. Explodes. I guess he waited a minute before he chased after her. Because uh, she had time to get jumped by a monster while he was running behind her. Yeah. So as he is chasing her, he ex- he doesn't explode, but like the ground around him explodes. He kind of falls back slash rolls down a hill into a quarry, which <sighs> I'm just going to mention it again. They were 100% nowhere near any quarry of any kind. Like they were in a park. There was a drinking fountain and a bridge. And now they're in a quarry. But that, I mean, it will come in handy in a minute that they're in a quarry. Right. It doesn't make any sense, but it'll come in handy. Right, because Raita only knows one way to attack people. So he kind of turns around. He sees Tran. He sees Fashion Dimension. And he's like, where is, where is Satsuki? Satsuki? Like, I'm sure you've taken her. And Satsuki walks out from behind a tree and she has become the Terminator. Yeah, she is wearing, like, leather clothes, Terminator sunglasses, and she has a laser sniper rifle. Right. And so Tran's like, she's a sniper who never misses her mark now. And so uh, Raita cross-changes, and then the other Jetmen arrive, and they explain to Raita, they're like, oh, he's the... They're like, this is the deal with Fashion Dimension. Like, he throws clothes at people, and they change. He's like, oh, that's what must have happened. Like, he's got this girl. He's got Satsuka-chan like transformed into the Terminator sniper laser sniper thing. He says, I will take care of this. He's like, I've got it. Yeah. Leave it to me. So he starts just running straight towards Satsuki. Right. And he, and he keeps getting like laser blasted. Right. Well, because she's a sniper that never misses her mark. True enough. (laughs) And so he's in the quarry, but he's like tripping and falling in the mud. Right. And this is why the mud thing before becomes relevant. So he is like, he's running through and like falling in the mud and getting back up. And Satsuki is seeing him. And she is also now sort of flashing back to watching him do the mud run when they were kids. I do and not so understand. And so it gets to the point where Raita is like... He's mimicking his childhood motions exactly to the point where, like, him as Yellow Owl is just hopping through a quarry in slow motion while shouting Satsuki's name. <laughs> there's no, just to be clear, there's no mud. He's just, there was, like, a puddle right. that he got through. Oh, yeah, sorry. He, there was mud, but he's not in it now. Now he's just jumping on the ground. <laughs> so, uh, but I guess, I think the idea is that he remembers this specific thing that he did and is mimicking that specific thing in order to kind of jog Satsuki's memory. And it works. She is saved and, like, the clothes, like, disappear and she's back in her regular clothes and then she, like, rolls down the hill. Well, and- she falls off a cliff more to the... Like, more precisely. Oh, yeah. She falls off a cliff. But she's fine. She gets caught. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, 
Tran and Fashion Adventure. Like, how did that happen? This isn't supposed to work this way. And I think it's White Swan says, you can't change people with clothes because humans have a heart. Which is a nice message. I, I think it was Yellow Owl that says it. Was it Yellow uh, White, White Swan said something. She does say something, but I think Yellow Owl says it because, like, Raida has been concerned all day that Satsuki has, like, changed her clothes and become a different person. Mm. Like, in the course of the day. Yeah, that makes and sense. And so now he's saying, like, you know, you can't do this. Like, that's not how people are. Like, the true person is still there underneath the new clothes. Which is actually, like, a nice, right. you know, good... like, it's an actual message to the episode. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So... Now it's just a Listen, fight. Dave, not a lot makes sense in this show. When they actually construct something like this, I really want to point it out and <laughs> really, give them credit. Just to give credit where it's due. So they, the other Jetmen are like, you take care of Satsuki. Like, we'll deal with this. And so they fight. And they're like, the fight actually goes like really quickly. They're like, <laughs> fashion dimension is like, I'll stab you with my scissor hands. And the Jetmen are just like, nope, bird blasters, sword, sword, sword bird gauntlet and he kind of stumbles and falls and then Raito runs back and he says all right she's fine and he is holding a giant rock because like easily the size of himself right because remember Raito has one form of attack so he throws the giant rock and then we see it hit fashion dimension and then fashion dimension just gets hit with like six more rocks all at the same time yeah, Raita is just, like, juggling rocks at this guy's face. <laughs> so, hits with a rock, many rocks, fashion dimension goes down, turns into giant fashion dimension. They summon uh, the jet machines. And the, this fight basically doesn't even exist. Yeah. Like, they they summon the jet machines, they turn into Jet Icarus. Yeah. They do the fashion hammer. Fashion Dimension tries to throw, like, a spear at them that looks like a sewing machine needle. Which is actually kind of a cool prop. Uh, they knock it away. They hit him with their, like, Jet Icarus hammer. Yeah. It, and then it's Bradonimic Saber, and then it's over. Right. So, honestly, I feel like the hammer was only there in case someone forgot that that was an accessory that you could buy for your Jet Icarus toy. Because it makes no... Like, they could have just opened with Bradonimic Saber. But whatever. I think Raita specifically wanted to use the hammer. And oh, like he does Raita, hit the... Like, yeah. I mean, the giant hammer is as close as Jet Icarus gets to a boulder. So maybe he was just trying to extrapolate the thing that he knows. Right. Raita does blunt force trauma. That's his thing. So hammer. That makes sense. So that, so Fashion Dimension goes down. Like Matt said, like this fight basically doesn't even... I think we've actually now talked about it for longer than the fight took. I think that is true. Now that that's surprising, because this is only an 18-minute show, and we routinely talk about it for about 45 minutes. So, that's pretty par for the course. So, we cut back to the train station. Satsuki is about to get on the train. Raita is there with her. Satsuki turns and says to Raita, Hey, if you ever meet the Jetman... Please tell Yellow Owl thanks for me, and also that I really like him. Like, she has, this is a classic, like, Superman Lois Lane thing. She has now fallen in love with Yellow Owl. 
Uh, is... Raisa apologizes for being a huge jerk. Right. And she, like, she accepts his apology and also says, like, you know, you... You, you know, were right. Like, you that were wasn't a jerk, me. but that wasn't me. And so, and she is dressed... Uh, she is dressed in all yellow, the color of a dandelion. Right. Uh, from a conversation that we didn't mention earlier when he said that she was, like, a dandelion for some explanation that yeah, he gave. I don't, I don't really remember it. It wasn't terribly interesting. Uh, so, yeah, so she says, I like yellow owl... Satsuki, like, are you... Okay, she just must not remember anything. Well, okay, well, we will mention this in a second, because I think she does. Because they go to the train platform, and she gets on the train, and he's, like, knocking on the door and saying, like, goodbye, you know, I'll see you next time. Right. she me. says, until next time, Raita. And then the door closes, and then the train is starting to go away, and she says, until next time, Yellow Owl. And I think... What she is saying there is, like, she's saying goodbye to both of them in the same way because they're the same person, Oh, maybe? okay. No, see, I thought she would say, like, bye, Raita, like, my old friend from childhood. And then as the train pulls away, she's like, goodbye, yellow owl, like, my secret love that I will meet someday or something. Uh, okay, because here's uh, the deal. You could be right. I prefer to think that I'm right because it's nicer. But... It is totally nicer. But if she... Okay, she obviously doesn't remember anything from the time that she was, like, Terminator Satsuki. Because if she did, she would just have to be, like, the densest person on the planet. Because Yellow Owl did, like, the hoppy mud run jump thing that reminded her. He specifically appealed to her memories of Raita. Right. Like, literally nobody else on the planet would have known to do that. So, like, obviously Yellow Owl is Raita. So I'm just going with she does not remember it. I'm assuming that we're setting up like a love interest thing that eventually she will, like Superman and Lois Lane, she will eventually figure out or learn that Yellow Owl is Raita and then it's like Satsuki and Raita and everybody lives happily ever after. Like that's my assumption. Although what's crazy is that like, I think we've covered this before. Like they don't have like super secret identities. Yeah. Like, he probably could have just said, oh, you like Yellow Owl? Well, that's great. Um, and then cross-changed and been like, boom, here it is. Like, I'm, we're good. Well, listen, Raita clearly digs this girl, but is also uncomfortable expressing that. So it would make sense to me that even if he knew that she was into Yellow Owl, that he would not then immediately just be like, oh, you're into Yellow Owl? Boom, that's me, cross-changer. What up? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, this is in Raita's head. He's just got to get his that's, confidence Okay, right. I'll buy that. Yeah. So that's it uh, for oh, this episode. Oh, and also he runs after the train and jumps in the air and shouts, I love dandelions. Oh. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> sort of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the end. So, Dave, what was your high point this week? I think my high point is... Okay, I've got like a, a a minor high point, which is the pirate that was just hitting dudes with an oar. That was great. I think my secondary, my actual high point is Terminator Laser Sniper Satsuki. That was great. I just, like, she came out and just like, oh, she's a Terminator now. And I really, I think what I liked was the specificity of the costume. It wasn't just like, She's an assassin. It's like she is a laser sniper. 
who never misses who never her misses mark. her mark. Like that's just a very, it's just a very detailed outfit. I would have loved to have seen the other things in Tran's lookbook. That also would have been great, because clearly he's got like a pretty broad range, like pirates, traditional ninjas, laser snipers, gangsters, gangsters, eighties street toughs. Right. Like, what else is in this wondrous book, Tran? Share your secrets with us. We're dying to see them. Uh, how about you, man? High point? Uh, my high point, I think, is going to be the date. Like, the way they shot the date. Like, cutting back and forth with the montage of the images from the like the g- date guidebook. Oh, yeah, that was good. I liked that. I thought it was very clever. I thought it was a clever way to not only, like, give us a montage of their day... But also show that, like, Satsuki is really committed to maintaining this charade of being, like, more cultured than she is. Yeah. Not more cultured, but, like, more... Like, worldly. Like, hipper. Yeah, more worldly. That's the best way to say that. Yeah. I just, I thought it was a good piece of, like, TV making. No, I'm down. That is hilarious as the laser sniper who never misses her mark. But... Not as good, but still solid. So, what is your low point? Uh, I think my low point is the rain out of nowhere. It was because the ju- rain, by the way, the rain also stops pretty immediately as well. Right, and then immediately goes back to blue skies. It's like, it's blue skies, they're hanging out in a park, it rains real hard for like maybe 30 seconds, and then it is immediately gone. And it wasn't even, like, it just didn't make sense. It didn't need to be raining it wasn't particularly like impactful. I think the guy, the, the director, maybe just had in his head like an old nineteen forties style scene where like it's like this emotional confrontation and it's raining and all this stuff is happening and it was just like this is going to happen. It is going to rain. It's going to be super intense. But like he wasn't committed enough to like really set it up. He was just right. like. It's like they don't really now have time to let that sort of thing breathe in an episode like this. Yeah, because these, like, these episodes are like 18 minutes long. So like everything that happens, happens in the course of like 30 seconds. Which is why, again, uh, you never see the first 5 to 10 seconds of any scene. That is, that is, I think, something I've realized about this show. Is it always starts in the middle of something. Like yeah. anytime the camera goes anywhere, something is already happening. Uh, so how about you, Matt? Um, let's see. My low point, it's not really low, um, and it's actually connected to something that I really liked, was the bit where they refused to call Raita because he was on his date. Uh, (laughs) Wait, that's your low point? Which was, well, okay, my low point is the, uh, like, suggestion that goes along with that, that Raita is such, like, a hopeless... Oh, okay. sort of romantic loser that this is one of the three chances in his life that he ever gets to go on a date. Right. (laughs) But I did really like that all of his teammates were like, no, we're not going to ruin his special day. Like, he can hang out with his, like, friend, maybe girlfriend, and we'll just fight these pirates and ninjas for eight hours. Yeah, that was pretty... (laughs) Okay. So, do you have anything else on this one? But they're nice jerks. No, I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Uh... Next week is going to be great. I'm not going to tell you what the episode is. Don't. But, uh, listener, if you want to peek ahead and see what we have to look forward to, it is a good one. But for now, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. 
Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get any updates on future episodes or get in touch with us on Twitter, we're at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's what helps new people find the show. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Yeah!